Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. What's going on, John? Ah, interesting times down here. We have we have entered the American international infiltration of New Zealand. That's been very interesting to watch. So yeah, otherwise, uh, just got through a tropical storm. So sorry the podcast is late. I didn't have power for most of yesterday. So yeah, well that sucks. Uh, but you, ever, you did all right. Do you have a um? Do you have a basement? Did you have to hide in the basement? No, didn't have to hide anywhere. It's just uh, I think it was. I think the name of the cyclone was was Dory. I think. Mm. I think it was Cyclone Dory. But uh, record winds. Very lots of rain. Had more rain in a twenty four hours. I think than like the most most rain ever recorded in Wellington history. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of water. Uh, no major damage though, which is always good. So house is still intact. So yeah, otherwise, uh, other than losing power, which never happens here, we do pretty well not losing power in this country. Yeah, you got good infrastructure out in New Zealand. Uh, it's okay. I would say the housing infrastructure sucks, but the actual electricity that seems to be okay for the most part seems to have been pretty good. Um, just you know, down trees and stuff will cause you to lose power. That's how it works. So fair enough. Well, it's snowing here. Oh no, it was Wait. sunny yesterday. Wasn't it record temperatures yesterday? Yeah, it was like fifty degrees. It was like fifties yeah. uh, yesterday and Friday. It was really nice. The last two days, the last two or three days, it was great. Now uh, it was snowing from uh, starting late last night slash this morning to about thirty minutes ago. I just looked outside the window and it looks like it stopped snowing. Look at so, that. Yeah, nothing bad though. It wasn't uh, nothing catastrophic. I, I went out to get some lunch, got myself some barbecue. It's pretty good. Sell some dinosaur. Shout out to Dinosaur. They're, uh, they've stepped out their games. Have they? Because the, the one time I went there so many years ago, it wasn't very good. Because it, yeah, it was. Did it start in Harlem? Am I right on that? Or am I thinking somewhere else? No, there there is one in Harlem. I don't know where the original, original Dinosaur Barbecue, Syracuse is the original one. Okay. Which uh, I've, I've not been to that one. I've been to the one, I've been to both of them in New York, and I've been to the one in Rochester. And I don't know if there's any other ones. Yeah, the one I'm thinking of is 125th Street. That one. Yeah, that right. one's good. That one's fun too. Right next to the oh, fairway. Right. Yeah, when I went, was yeah, okay. yeah, it's solid. It's always been the thing about dinosaur. Is it my favorite? No, they don't have anything there that is my favorite thing. But everything is at least good, serviceable, and, and it's fairly priced. No, it's beyond serviceable. I'd, I'd say serviceable. If someone says something is serviceable, I'd say it's okay. This is a, this is a love. This is above that. This is in this but the, is the but there's, good. There's territory. nothing that makes you go, "Oh man, I got to go to I got to go to dinosaur to get this." Correct. Exactly. Like if I want brisket, I'm going to Quinn's or I'm going to hometown, you know? But I'd say if there's anything that dinosaur is probably the best at, mm, no, I'm not going to give them that either. Yeah, that's the but thing. Yeah. So to me that seems like it's overall like a like a 4. Exactly. There's nothing that puts it to like a 4.5 or 5. Everything is just, it's good. It's just not great. Yep. And you know what? Exactly. For a restaurant, that's not bad. Yeah, not it's bad. pretty good. I got to, you know, got to gotta give it up to them. So it was solid. Look, I've been trying to go to this place in Brooklyn that I'm waiting for them to open up. And they weren't open yet. So I didn't go. But it's close enough to Dinosaur that I walked over. This place had a fire, I guess, last year. And I was just waiting for them to open up. And I thought, I looked online, said they were open. They weren't. And I tried calling. Nobody answered. Now, that should have been the first sign that they weren't open. But you never know. 
You know, they could have been so busy, so inundated with guests that they couldn't make it. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, uh, it, it's been a kind of a lazy day, you know, played hockey at 1130 last night. Um, so I'm a little, a little sleepy throwing yeah. down, uh, sipping, sipping on some matcha right now. It's all right, though. It's a good day to be lazy because it's the Super Bowl. It's why I'm able to talk to you on Monday because I took the Super Bowl off from work today. That because that's, that is becoming my national holiday while I live in this country is I want to watch the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to sit there right. and watch watch my former quarterback <laughs> win a Super Bowl the minute he leaves Detroit. It's going to be great. <sighs> yeah. So who, who would that be? Because I don't know anything about. Oh, you don't know anything about the Super Bowl. So it's the, well, I know who's in it. It's the Los I Angeles know, Rams yeah. versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I know it's at SoFi Stadium because everybody's talking about this place. Yeah. I don't know it's why. New. It's new. Got it. It's supposed to open during the pandemic, and then it didn't, and now it has, and now the Super Bowl's there, and the- Technically, the it did open quote, during the pandemic. Pan, Panda home, ain't over. Yeah. The, the hometown team, which is real funny because Los Angeles doesn't really have hometown fans, right? LA fans are an interesting group because there's so many people that move to LA. So, oh my God, like you, this thing other is than, yeah, it's it's great. It's Holy awesome shit! Yeah. Oh my God, this is it's cool. Wow, <laughs> I'm blown away. I did not you know what this, to expect you? here. This is yeah. no, it's a great looking this stadium. Is wild. It looks like yeah. it looks like a mothership. Yeah, it's very futuristic. I just, it's funny because you look at the stadium, and it just looks way out of place. Like when you're yes. looking at close-up shots, it's really cool. But then once you zoom out, you live it. This thing looks kind of dumb. It's, well, like it's Inglewood, but the close-up shots, right? Look like great. it's it's still like I know Inglewood's oh, getting gentrified, it but it's in Inglewood. It's in the middle. It's right next to the Forum, to the LA Forum over there where the Los Angeles Lakers used to play. But it's in Inglewood. Inglewood's up and coming, but this is kind of the first big piece to make Inglewood into this, you know gentrified haven for people moving you know to make it brooklyn let's be honest right we're gonna turn inglewood into brooklyn <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be cool you can have great restaurants a great stadium great things going on and the white people won't be scared anymore and that makes all of us happy so you're saying buy in inglewood too late oh <laughs> you're about you're about three years too late to buy in inglewood that ship has sailed because and maybe even more because as soon as they announced the stadium houses in inglewood went through the roof because people said What's an, oh, is inglewood like yeah. by the airport it is. It's close to the airport. It's, it's I think I stayed in Inglewood. I think I stayed at yeah. a um, at a hotel in Inglewood. I like Inglewood. Inglewood's a cool place. It's a lot of good food in Inglewood. But Inglewood, for a long time, was you know you listen to rap music from the mid nineties. It's all about Inglewood, and that's what we're doing. So all the all the all the old songs about Compton and Inglewood and Watts. It's it's where a lot of black people were, and now it's a lot of gentrified, you know, up and coming. You know, young hipsters, which is I don't have a problem with. I know I say that with tongue in cheek, but, you know, Brooklyn was a lot of fun once, you know, once more white people moved in. White people like to eat good food. They like things to be safe. So it's it's not always a bad thing. Right. I just hope that they've included some of the people who lived here for 50, 60 years and just didn't kick them out. That's the key. Right. Like bring the money in so that we can all thrive instead of some of y'all thrive and the rest of the people get kicked further and further east. Yeah, that should be the hope. Yeah, you know it won't happen though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so this place looks pretty great. Uh, this looks like a pretty cool stadium, and yeah, you know what? Good, good for those, um, good for those um, newly resident, residing, newly residing white people in Englewood because they may yeah. have a chance to get their well earned 
uh, Super Bowl championship. <laughs> so yeah, so so the Rams, you earned right? all the trials cool. and tribulations. Yeah, exactly, all the hard stuff that you guys had to come through, right? You know, all yeah. the, the giant mm-hmm. migration from you know the Midwest over to Los Angeles. You know, all those years of just suffrage. Um, you know. And or, or suffering, suffrage. Yeah, I don't think it's suffrage. Yeah, <laughs> suffering. Yeah. It's never the all problem. That, yeah. Oh yeah, all that hard-earned suffering. You guys have now finally come up, and now we can look at this. You started from yeah, the bottom. Kind of, and now what, you're here. Whether you, yeah, whether you put granite stone top on your <laughs> on your new uh, on your new high-rise apartment. Yeah, I mean, now you can afford to, right? You know, big windows where you're overlooking the the water, right? Before you had to look at someone else's uh, apartment complex. Now look at you, big views. So anyways, the the Los Angeles Rams, their quarterback is Matthew Stafford, who was the quarterback for the Detroit Lions for about 12 years. (laughs) Mm. They they trade him, (laughs) and and he's in a Super Bowl the next year (laughs) because he's great, and the Lions aren't great. And that's why now everyone in Detroit is rooting for Matt Stafford because we go, look, if Stafford can win a Super Bowl in his first year on a new team, it basically vindicates that the Lions as an organization suck. Because <laughs> as soon as you let the guy go, he's great. And he's like, oh, wow, look at him. He's great. It's like, yeah, we've known he's great. Just our team and our ownership has sucked forever. So that's where we are. So I'm rooting for Matt Stafford. I'm not rooting for Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati is very similar to Detroit. Terrible franchise, terrible, you know, terrible team historical laughing stock, but I'm rooting for Matt Stafford. I want him to win a Super Bowl so then I can point to the to the Ford family and tell them to sell the Detroit Lions. Yeah, historically the Bengals are usually like one of the worst teams in the league, they're right? Bad. They're they're alongside the Lions and terrible teams. <laughs> so how did this happen? How did we get here? We got here because they drafted a new quarterback who is young and pretty good. Okay. So yeah. That's the well, thing about American football. If you got a decent quarterback, you have a shot, unless you're the Lions. <laughs> Then you ruin your quarterback yeah. and everyone around the quarterback. And then eventually they leave and they go win Super Bowls elsewhere. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. That always seems to happen somewhere, though. So you always think uh, most places. Yeah. So do you do you think the Lions will ever turn it around? No. Oh. <laughs> I've been watching okay. this team all my life. They've been they've had Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford, and they're still terrible. I mean, they've made two people quit. Barry Sanders didn't just retire. He wanted out, and they said no. So he goes, well, so I quit. <laughs> and he quit and never played again. Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders. Yeah. Now, how does it, how do, like, the fan, how does the fan base of the Lions compare to the fan base of the Jets? Like, are they as annoying? No, because I think the Lions fans are just, like, Jet fans are the worst. They're the worst because they think they're good. Lions fans, we know we're terrible. We're aware that we're awful. And we don't we don't have the chance and we don't get in the streets and, you know, talk about Joe Namath in 67. Right. Like we don't have that because that's the thing the Jets had that one year where Joe Namath, you know, made his prediction and walks off the field with his finger in the air like old style, old school. Style. I think that was 67. Um, I'll look it up. I'm going to look at this incognito. So, but again, but it's also, but also like New York has a bit of the, the New York factor in it. And then the fact that the Giants have kind of been on and off good. 65 was when he was drafted. So I don't know when he won the Super Bowl. Um, but like you guys keep trotting Joe Namath out there. Super Bowl three. Literally yeah. three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the third one. Well, which, when was that? Was that 69? Am I right on the year? Yeah, yeah. 69, okay, yeah. January so 69. 69. Yeah. So... So again, you you have that where it's like the Jets used to be good. The Jets the Jets have always been okay, and then you have the years where you get close, right? Where they had Mark Mark Sanchez, and he's like okay, and they like almost get there. And then they, like when you get close, but you still don't win, like your fan base has like this unreasonable, like we're great, like the Cowboys fans, right? The Cowboys have kind of been bad for the last twenty years. 
the last time the Cowboys have been any good was when um, Troy Aikman was their quarterback and they had Emmitt Smith and they had, you know, Michael Irvin. That was like the mid-90s. Cowboys haven't been any good since, really, but they've been good enough to get close where their fan base gets like all excited and they start getting in your face about how great they are. The Lions yeah, are they're never, never like dead li- They're usually in the running, right? The Lions are always dead last. <laughs> like always, if not dead last, close to it. So Lions fans at this point, you just kind of know that you suck. And if they ever make the Super Bowl, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. I would probably start to cry. It's been that long. It's a lot. Wow. It's a lot. They're terrible. They're so bad. They've been bad forever. It's and it's, would you approach each? Would you approach each playoff game like being like, well, surely this is where it ends. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You would not believe it was done until like after. Well, surely that was just a fluke, and we're going to lose the next one. <laughs> and and the problem with the Lions as well is that the way they lose games is always so brutal. Like they never just get beat so bad where you're just like, well, my, they just suck. It's they always like, like Buffalo oh, they're sucks. close. They lose and like Buffalo like, loses. Well, Buffalo is good now, right? Like Buffalo almost made it. Yeah, to but they the haven't. But I'm game. saying Buffalo is one of those teams that always gives you hope, and then they just fall apart. But the Lions give you hope in like like game two, <laughs> and then they have oh, okay. enough of those game twos where they just lose, and then the hope is gone by the middle of the season. So yeah, being a Lions fan is what it is. It's not even tough. It just is what it is. You should just find a new team if you're really upset about it. I should have found a new team years ago. But, you know, look, you, you stick with it. And it's nice when you don't live in the States anymore, right? I, I passively watch the Lions because after game five, I'm like, well, there you go. They're 0-5. I don't need to watch this anymore. They're not going to Super Bowl. But, um, you know, there's there's a certain – you got to stick with it, right? You can't just jump on. Let, let's uh, – my dad did this because he moved to Portland, Oregon, and then he – and he was a huge Knicks fan. And then once he moved to Portland, they were dead to him, and he was just all in. On the, uh, on the trail on the trailblazers and yeah. they've not been great either like they've, oh, they've had they've, some good yeah. runs though they've been okay they've been okay yeah he's got the merch you know he's got all the stuff he's he walks around yeah he's like knee deep in uh in trailblazer stuff i and he's I, like, I think i think there's certain franchises you're allowed to leave and to me the lines is one of them <laughs> is like, the, would you, you, you gotta let the people knicks, go. is the knicks is the knicks one of them now once you are leave, the next one of them now here's the thing i think with the with teams like the knicks or the cowboys right or the, yeah. or the mm-hmm. jets once you leave you can't come back no right yeah the lions i'm gonna say you can leave and come back because i think everyone would be happy because everyone understands like man your fan base has been so bad i get why you left just come on home right it's not one of those things where it's like if you leave home you can never come back again it's like you leave home and everyone goes like you know what man we were real sad when you left but we understood you had you had, you had to get out of here and now you've made something of yourself and now you yeah, can come sh- back home right hometown boy does good that's that's what the Lions are. You can come back home when they win, but we understand that you got to go out to L.A. and you know go make something of yourself. Yeah, you don't want to be a you don't want to be a carpetbagger fan. Yeah, like, hey, like, guys, like the Knicks, right? Like the Knicks. Up? It's like, hey, you've you've got the fan base. You've got the you you know you've had a little bit of success. You can't leave and then come back when the Knicks are good and try to pretend that oh I've always been a Knicks fan. It's like well. And it's always those bandwagon, like the Cowboys fans, right? Like they, they, if you talk to every Cowboys fans, has like four favorite teams. <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute, how do you have four favorite teams? Like, well, I like the Cowboys, but then, you know, but then I, I, I root for the for the 49ers too, uh, you know, and I'm a root for the Rams this time. It's like those types of fans who like like mm-hmm. the popular teams at the time. You can't. It's like the kind of like people who who want to pretend to be Red Wings fans, right? Like, the oh. Wings have had a rough go, but the Wings were dominant. This is part of the reason why, like, as a Lions fan, you kind of shrug, right? Because, like, the Tigers have had their moments. The Pistons have had their, like, underdog moments where they come back and they win championships. Pistons were really good when they had no business being good. And the Wings had, like, a dominant, like, decade, 
right? And you can't really be oh, yeah. mad. You can't be mad as a they Detroit beat, fan the when the Lions, a, yeah, when the when the Lions just suck, right? So now, if you're all of a sudden off the wings bandwagon, when, when, when you know we got the baby wings and they're, you know, they, they win some games, they lose some dumb games, and you know they're going to be a ways away before they get to a Stanley Cup. But you can't like leave and then come back and be like, I've always been a Wings fan. It's like, well, the Wings were good. And then the minute they're not good anymore, you jump ship. It's like, you got to stick through those bad times when you've won a couple of championships. Yeah. Well, I'm a, um, I mean, the only team I'm actually a fan of is like, is the Flyers. So, which is brutal. It's a brutal team (laughs) to be a fan of for many, many, many reasons. Uh, That's a tough, that's a tough go, but stick with it, you know? good bad whatever and i am I, I i i am like kind of a unicorn of a flyer fan because while i have while i am a flyer fan i have rooted them my whole life i also never had any mo- any animosity for the rangers so i do and i do really enjoy going to ranger games so if the rangers are playing the flyers root for the flyers but otherwise i'll root for the rangers i have no problem doing that and the one team that i can't stand is the devils because devil fans are the worst they're awful yeah they're real bad real bad. real bad now I understand. Of all the hockey fans, though, I would say they're like Bruins fans are rough, right? Like no, look, listening I to someone who's a Bruins fan is like, oh, you guys are the worst. <laughs> I understand Bruins fans that. are bad, and then like the Canadian team fans, are, like Montreal fans, are bad. Vancouver fans, I mean, they destroyed their city like to a level that was like <laughs> like not acceptable Vancouver fans. And <laughs> yeah. you know what that's the there's only time only, I actually There's only a certain Boston. level. Yeah. yeah. There's only a certain, there's level, like a certain of level of yeah that you could allow and they and they pass that threshold. <laughs> yeah. But look, I understand that that Flyer fans have a bad reputation. But here's the thing. I didn't grow up around Flyer fans. I did grow up around Devil fans. They're bad. And they, Flyers, they're yeah. bad. And just Philadelphia fans. Philadelphia is one of those cities where it's just like, you know, it's it's the the rough and tumble Midwest cities. And I would say it's it's a struggle calling Philadelphia Midwest City because it's kind of more East Coast. But they they bring yeah. some of that they bring some of that Midwestern animosity with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like that it kind of bleeds over through the state of Pennsylvania and just kind of ends in Philly. And so, like, they're just always ready to fight somebody. <laughs> it's like they're always ready. To, like, I mean, L.A. Dodgers fans have this problem. They just you go to the game because you want to fight somebody. And it's like, hey, man, can we watch a sport without wanting to fight each other? And in Philadelphia and Jersey and New York and these big cities, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is well, always never no. seen. I've never seen more fights at games than at devil games, even in the time that I've been to flyer games haven't seen really any fights there and i've been to like flyer ranger games but every time i go to a devil game there's always a fight if you're fighting at a sporting event you need to reevaluate everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah who who you're really fighting you're not fighting this guy you know you're You're, fighting your own demons (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you're fighting your own demons you're fighting trouble at home Yes, you know you're, you're fighting. You're fighting. Uh, you know the real cause for why for why your wife left you. Yeah, you, you're like, fighting your boss. Kids won't talk to you, right? Yeah. Like you're fighting your boss uh-huh. at your job. You know, yeah. you're fighting your kids, and instead you're fighting some poor guy that just trying to w- just wants you to s- just be quiet while they're singing the national anthem. <laughs> yeah, who like accidentally tripped because everybody's sitting on top of each other, and he yeah. spilled a drop of beer on you. Yeah, and he spills a drop of beer on you, and you lose your mind, and it's like that. You're fighting your boss and your and your wife and your kids and your and your you know your mother, your father, your brother. You're fighting your whole family, <laughs> and it's just you take it out of this your, poor guy with his kids. Your dead, your dead future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fighting failed you're fighting career. All the pain. You know. Yeah everything yeah yeah there's definitely there's definitely something else going on over there but yeah you got uh so super bowl 
today. Well, I guess yes. after recording this, so this will definitely um, come out after probably. Yeah, because um, you're not going to put it out before. <laughs> no, definitely not. And nobody, <laughs> but it's even if I did put it out before, no one's going to listen to it before. So you so there's, there's some people that are waiting. Um. Yeah. There's no way. So, uh. So who who's gonna win? Who do you got? I'm saying I believe the Rams will win. Okay. If I was to put a bet, I don't know what the line is, but I'm gonna say the Rams win by touchdown. Oh wow. Okay. So by six. Yeah. So I think the line is maybe three and a half. Right. So Rams v Bengals line. Let's see what the betting line is. The odds and there's all sorts of fun odds and spreads, but let's see. I just went to the first page that I found. It is Moneyland Rams negative two hundred and five. So if you bet two hundred five bucks, you win a hundred. Bengals are plus one seventy, which means the Rams are minus four point five, right? So that's the spread. So you're giving the Rams four point five points. So if you're a Bengals fan and you bet on them against the spread, the Bengals can still lose by three and you still win, right? You still win some money. That's how it works. And the over and under right. is 48.5 points total. So, yeah, I think there will be a lot of points, but I think the Rams will win by more than more than 4.5 points. So that's my that's my guess. I'm going with the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win. You think it's going to be a good game? I think it will be a good game. It's indoors, which helps. Uh, I think you got two pretty good offenses. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a high. I think the score will be oh, – I would bet the over on the 40, 48.5. So I would say there's it's in the 30s, right? It's 30 something to 20 something would be my guess. Points wise. Fun fact. I know uh one of the security guards there. Look at that. <laughs> yep. Guarding guarding one of the doors. <laughs> uh no, it will I dude, hell if I I think uh he's probably a bit higher up than just like a standard dude right, like guarding that. the press know. box. Maybe. That that sounds more like <laughs> what this kind of guy would be doing. But uh yeah it's a guy I play hockey with here so he's yeah, out cool. there um yeah it's pretty exciting stuff yeah cool all right well Alrighty. enjoy um, well, yeah well, I, don't have any, I mean i don't have any stories so I this do. is gonna be a stories. bit of a rambler but that's i was gonna transition to it i've got stories you shut up it's my turn to have stories i've got stories local and abroad so you tell me which story you want to start with and i'm not gonna oh. have any clever names for this do you want to talk about protest in new zealand or do you want to talk about Chinese Americans at the Olympics. Oh man. Uh let's start with protests. Let's go okay. in that order. So the protests. And now again, what's interesting is these protests are happening everywhere, right? These protests are happening in Windsor, which is which is they're blocking the when bridge. When you say the everywhere, everywhere. You mean everywhere Global. in New Zealand? No, everywhere around the world. Is Global. this like the trucker? Is this like the trucker protesting yes, in Canada? Yes. Yes, okay. in Windsor, in Windsor, Canada, which is across the, the the Detroit River. So New Zealand, right? So for those of you who don't know, New Zealand is an island nation at the bottom of the map. I've <laughs> heard of it. That's the best way to put it, right? You heard of it. And so since la- I believe last week's podcast, I made a joke about a convoy coming, right? I said there's a convoy coming to Wellington, right? Because there apparently are a bunch of people right, who have been watching what's happening overseas, specifically with the truckers in Canada, and decided, you know what, New Zealand has these vaccine mandates, and we are 95% vaccinated, but there is a large contingency, and by large, I put that in quotes, like per capita large, that is unhappy with these mandates. They are unhappy 
And they wanted to come and tell the government why they are unhappy. And so I'm going to send you an article real quick, and then I'll read from this article a bit to give you an idea of what's happening in New Zealand, right? So this is, this article is called Splintered Realities, How the New Zealand Convoy Lost Its Way, right? So what the organizers hope... Yeah. So what the organizers hoped would be a mass movement shutting down the nation's capital until vaccine mandates were removed has devolved into a few hundred radical protesters scrapping with police, death threats against politicians, which is keeping any MPs from turning out to speak with the aggrieved and hijacking in the hijacking of the event by a Trump aligned alternative media outlet. Analysts of posts on the chat app Telegram as well as more traditional social media platforms show that the convoy went from a targeted protest of vaccine mandates to a vehicle for fringe and even violent extremist ideologies over the course of the event. Pleas from the original organizers on Thursday morning to to abandon the camp went unheeded and more than 100 people were arrested. At the end of the day, however, protesters cheered when police gave up all of the ground they had gained through painstaking inch-by-inch advances. Um, So I'll, I'll, I'll... Drop down a bit here. The speed at which the convoy went from an event in Canada to an online discussion in New Zealand to something that was actually happening is unprecedented in the country's conspiracy scene. So, Haro Tua, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm gonna butcher that name. Unfortunately, first noticed discussion around the convoy on New Zealand-based Telegram channels on January 30th. The next day, a private Facebook group to support the effort had already had 7,200 members. It is now at nearly 70,000. It was first chatter about a convoy, and then it became the convoy as its amorphous organizers wanted it to become. And that took less than 48 hours. It was fast, he said. We're looking at propagation from ideation online on the 30th of January to what we have now. That's very, very fast. At the times the plans were launched, the trucker's occupation of Ottawa was the big story of the anti-vax fringe and the far right globally. Efforts everywhere sought to emulate its success. In New Zealand, early early attempts to recruit significant numbers of truckers failed, so the movement quickly became a convoy of regular vehicles. We now know that Canada's convoy was not an organic uprising of truckers, but a scheme of a QAnon conspiracy theorist. In New Zealand, there are no signs yet that the convoy movement was launched by any of the usual conspiracy theorists or extremist suspects. Um, so scrolling down some more because then i want to get your thoughts within a matter of days counterspin and the convoys organizers so counterspin is a right-wing website that is launched here in new zealand that i think is oh sorry i'm I'm bearing the lead here i thought they thought they explained it when i skipped over let me start again within a matter of days counterspin and the convoys organizers would be locked in a struggle for control of the narrative around the protest as well as the physical event itself but at the early stage the organizers were grateful for the signal boost Counterspin is one of the largest platforms for conspiracy theories and far-right ideology in New Zealand. It airs on the online TV channel set up by former Donald Trump advisor and far-right extremist Steve Bannon and was started by Kelvin. Oh, Jesus Christ. He's in New Zealand now. An extremist known for agitating for armed resistance against the New Zealand government in the early 2000s. ALP hasn't grown any more modern in the interim. On January 30th, the day the convoy discussion really picked up, he put out a call for armed kidnapping of MPs who are... uh, uh, what does MP stand for? Uh, minor or something. Let me see what MP stands for. Sorry. New Zealand MP. Medical Shame person. I don't know. Members of Parliament. Sorry, I blanked there for a minute. Oh, oh, Members of Parliament. Because um, well, I saw MP and the American in me thought military police. And I was like, that can't be it. He put out a call for arm kidnapping of members of parliament, journalists, and anyone else his audience might perceive as upholding the government. That statement was amplified across Telegram, but was drowned out the next day by convoy chatter. Every single one of the more than 100 Telegram travels surveyed by Hado, Hado Tua 
mentioned the convoy in some capacity that day. So I'm giving you the start to basically say these people, right, had organized this convoy. They they drove down to the Capitol and they've basically been camped out on parliament grounds since Tuesday. And you remember when I told you we had like a like a cyclone that blew through here, right? Oh, yeah. Right. I, I I live in Wellington. I live in the city, and well, I live on the outskirts of the city, like twenty minutes outside of the of the you know of what you would consider downtown or the central business district. And the weather is here. Weather here is same as it is there. So basically, this has devolved into a very farm-looking Burning Man. Like there's hay on the ground. They tried to turn the sprinklers on to try and get them to leave. They then tried to play, you know, badly, you know, recorded music. So like Celine Dion through like a recorder, like, you know, the recorder device that you have when you're a, like a ninth grader. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to take up recorder. Right. So they're trying to play bad music, get these people out. It was rain and, and wind. You've like been in Baby Shark. Before, right? They should have done Baby Shark. Tried, yeah. They did. They played Baby Shark. Baby Shark okay. was played. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wanted to read the first part, though. Because I wanted your thoughts on, in general, how it seems that the the voices of your people have reached okay. innocent little nations like New Zealand. What do you have to say to that? I mean, uh, you got the problem. Well, first of all, there's a few constants, right? <laughs> it's not just like, it's not like New Zealand is the moon compared to North America. Okay, feels that way sometimes, but you're right. It's really, it's really not because they it's, both it's, have. It's still they Western, both, right? They both have white people <laughs> from they Britain. Both, yeah, and they both have like, and they both have the internet, you know, and yes. they both have morons. Like that's really what it comes down to. Is like they're just impressionable people who are lacking critical thinking skills who are gullible to this kind of stuff they're easily manipulated they're easily manipulated and they are highly opinionated which is weird it's a weird counter point because it's like if you were so opinionated then surely you would be able to stick to one thing but no you could easily be bent and broken into this one team mentality thing so yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And also, seventy thousand people in this group are those seventy thousand in New Zealand. There's no way. Now, now the that's interesting be, thing that's probably like thirty percent Russian bots at least. Well, well, the interesting thing about this as well is that, like, again, I didn't want to read the whole articles. I didn't want to sit here just reading to you. But so you know, long. but but the idea of basically, it's an interesting read. If you are interested in this, it's on newsroom.co.nz. And you should probably be able to find it there if you're interested in reading of how I would say what people think is very American specifically, right? A lot of people blame America for sort of like mass information and Trump and all these things that cause this type of disinformation. But you're right, right? Like my takeaway from this is that these disenfranchised people, and I would say there's white people here, but there's also quite a few Maori and quite a few Pacific Islanders and people who are just in general disenfranchised for some reason right like i don't vaccine mandate sure some people lost their jobs because they weren't going to get the vaccine but the fact that this is so easily controlled by i mean read the name right steve bannon right Mm -hmm. you see the same names popping up all over this stuff no matter where you are and it's the ability for these outside forces to control what might seem to be you know 
peaceful protesting to begin with, right? Like I would argue right. that some people would say, well, on January 6th, I went there because I thought we were just going to be able to, you know, I'm unhappy with some things in the government, which is fair, right? Like I might not agree with you, but I, I understand that you're unhappy. There's things I'm unhappy with that I hope other people are willing to listen to me on. But how it seems like this specific group of people, whether it's in the U.S. or across the bridge in Canada or in France or in New Zealand, how they seem to be so easily manipulated into these extremist categories where most of this article is talking about how some of the original people who started this protest just to talk about, hey, I shouldn't have to lose my job because I don't want to get the vaccine – kind of, you know, they realize immediately that this turns into violence and it turns into squalor and it turns into such hate and angry talking about beheading politicians and hang them high and all of this. There's always a swastika. There's always always a a swastika, right? There's always a Nazi that appears and how it seems like you're not able to have these right wing views without it immediately getting turned with like 48 hours getting turned into Steve Bannon controlled anarchy. And the fact that it happened here, I think a lot of Kiwis are just kind of shocked that this exists in their nation. And I'm kind of with you. I go, this exists everywhere. Americans get the blame for it since there's so many of us. But th- these people exist everywhere. And they're so yeah. easily to be manipulated. And you're just starting to see exactly why Trump is dangerous. Why that was so dangerous is because it's not that he was some evil mastermind. He just knew how to manipulate people who weren't able to critically think for some of this stuff themselves. They didn't realize they were going to break into the Capitol and behead Nancy Pelosi until they were in the steps of the Capitol going, how do we get here? What happened? I thought I was here just to argue about how I don't like, you know, I don't like democratic policies in my little town. And next thing you know, I'm, I've, you know, I've got two horns and I'm the shaman, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, like, how, like how do you get from one to the other? And that's why I wanted to bring this up, because I just thought it was an interesting read, at least from down here, how people, I would say, people who are a bit more liberal are so surprised. They say, well, America brought this here. And I'm like, uh, sure, because those are the main organizers behind being able to do some of this stuff. But the fact that, like, even we had a president that was able to be manipulated by people like Steve Bannon. And people who are really the evil masterminds underneath this stuff who can turn what you can consider silly but innocuous protesting into people still camping out on the grounds of parliament. I'm going to send you another video as I talk about this because you can see what this look what this looks like, right? And I drive by this area. When I was going to work, I drive by this area every single day. Like this yeah. isn't something that's like this far and away place that no one's ever seen before. It's like this is, you know, this is 20 minutes from my house. And to expect that there's this many people who are this unhappy when we're 95% vaccinated. And there's plenty of people who will tell you, well, I'm vaccinated. Well, I just don't believe in the mandates. So you'll see, if you click on that site that I sent you, right, there's a live stream yeah. now. This is happening right now as we're talking. This is right outside of the parliament steps. There's a Canadian uh, flag, right? There's probably a Trump flag in there somewhere if you look hard enough. And these people are just going to camp out. These people aren't going to leave, right? If you can go yeah, through that not... cyclone, they're not going to leave. Yeah, but I, this is... I heard an interesting thing on CNN where there was a, um, they were like, a, they were talking about perspective and camera's perspective and like why that shot was taken and yeah. from the angle. Like, are you really talking about that many people here? It's, again, and it's not, you, right? Because it's it, a couple there thousand. is a big yeah. difference. You're like, oh, this is a concern. Compared to, you have 95% people fully vaccinated down there. Fully vaccinated. Yeah. Double we're vaccinated. at like, we're still below 70. 
Yeah, which is crazy. So <laughs> just to put that in perspective, your crazy has a long way to go before it catches our crazy. Yes. And even if there are strands of our crazy in yours, just be happy it's only 5%. And that's and my 30%. Point, right? And that's my point as well. Where I'm looking at this of going like, I think people are shocked that this exists at all. But I'm saying, wow, you guys are shocked that I'm shocked at how small this is. I'm shocked that this is pretty much a couple hundred people who are kind of the probably the outcast of your society anyways, right? Like these people don't have jobs. Some of them might have lost their jobs because of the vaccine mandates. But these people are people that can afford to sit out here and protest when the 99% of the rest of the country is going to work. They're, they're, they're getting the shots. They're, they're doing what the government is asking them to do, which is why New Zealand has been one of the safest countries to be in at the time of this pandemic. And they don't even, these are people that are never going to leave this country, right? These yeah. aren't well-traveled people. These people don't see outside of, I mean, this guy's got a UCLA sweatshirt on, which is funny um but like they're not gonna but like they don't right they they soak in media but they don't understand a lot of the issues in the u.s are you know the u.s is a giant place right like there's issues that are statewide council citywide right like it gets the u.s can be kind of a russian nesting doll of governments that are all kind of put together in new zealand for the most part it's like most people are saying like look man get the shot and we can we can actually get through this and we can slowly open up because that's what we're doing right we've got a we had 800 cases of omicron yesterday there's no more additional restrictions we're gonna we're gonna deal with it right like we've all been vaccinated because we're 95 percent vaccinated which means if you're vaccinated you can go to a restaurant if you're vaccinated you can live your life if you choose to do so and yet we've got these people who are going to sit out here in front of parliament and we'll see what happens we'll see if they just camp out here because if they got through that that cyclone these people aren't going anywhere <laughs> Yeah, my take is like, it's probably a little different than what you'd expect, but there's going to come. No, it's especially probably the same as what you'd expect, because there's going to come a point where eventually it's going to say, fine, no mandate, do whatever you want. And then if you get it, but here's the thing. Also, we're going to start where if you uh, you're going to be deprioritized on uh, for medical treatment, if you do get it. Because, hey. You had you had the ability to do it. Now, of course, again, I'll put the same caveat I put on everything else here. If you have a legitimate medical reason not to get it, then you don't have to. But it's probably not you in this crowd who's going out to protest because you probably already got that exemption. So there's going to come a point where, yeah, I think mandates and all these things doesn't make sense that we have a mandate for coronavirus at this point. Probably not because the it seems like the variants are getting weaker and it's going to turn into something that is more like a flu. And just like we don't have to have mandates for flu shots, we're not going to have mandates for things. So this is yeah. this still feels in if I was to look at the other side for a moment, this is somewhat of a fleeting issue that will that is still very sensitive based on the time and what we've been through for the last two years. And yeah, they they'll probably use this as ammunition when, when all these things start and they'll come out the other side. It's like, well, I never even got vaccinated. And look at me. I'm living in society just like before and all these other things. Like, cool. Great. Thanks. But also thanks to you, it shit took a lot longer than it should have. Yeah. And look, and I don't and speak people, to these people in New Zealand. I speak yeah. to more the, the 30 oh, plus percent in the US. I mean, but think about it. Because that's a larger con contribution factor. How we've had over 900,000 people in the US die, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And I'd argue that number would be double, triple if what half of the country did 
didn't happen, right? Like, and that's a big problem in New Zealand, right? New Zealand's got 5 million people. And those 5 million people all can't fit, you know, that's a very small number compared to, you know, most other countries. But let's say you have 100,000 of those people who catch this thing, right, at the peak of the pandemic. You, you don't have enough hospital beds for that. You don't have a, you don't have an infrastructure, just medically, that can handle that. And it's not that New Zealand is, you know, New Zealand's got people who are overweight. They're, you know, high, they have all the high morbidity things that cause people to get sick and die of this virus. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these people have just taken for granted the fact that while I don't necessarily agree with government for a lot of the stuff that they did, because I just felt like a lot of that was sort of, you know, like the messaging was a little messy because New Zealand, myself included, we, I did a lot of gloating of like, oh, look at this. We stayed in our homes for a month and now I can walk around without a mask. I can walk around and do what I want. And then realizing, well, you're never going to completely get rid of this thing. At some point, you were going to have to let this in. I think that acted as shock to a lot of people. And I think most people realize, okay, that means I got to get the vaccine. And, you know, look, at some point, we're probably all going to catch this thing. But at least we can wait till we get to a point where the variants and the things aren't so deadly, where if I catch it, it's like having a cold for a week and then I go back to work. Versus I catch this thing and I might end up in the hospital with a tube down my throat. And I think a lot of people, at least in New Zealand, haven't realized how lucky they've been because only 50 people have died i think like it's not a very high number and right now because we're so highly vaccinated more people can catch it and we'll be fine but you got people out here with signs with just into our germ dressed up as a communist yeah yeah like just watching this video and you see bad timing the hype the the hyperbole from these people is absolutely it's crazy because there's there's this (laughs) clip from uh also from cnn where the guy asked this guy is like oh what do you He, he was talking to somebody at the canadian trucker protest and he was saying yeah we're basically like he's like this is this is nazi germany and we're basically like the jews it's like you're not shut the fuck up like get some goddamn perspective here and showing someone like uh it's showing jacinda ardern in a uh in like a soviet (laughs) like a soviet union picture like she's another putin it's like chill the fuck out man it's like you guys aren't on the brink of war being an aggressor on the Ukraine. Like, do you really understand what your problems are here that you're going to go out and complain because you got to get a shot. And because of that, now all of a sudden you're this, uh, your leader is a genocidal maniac. Yeah. Like what's not even close. Like <laughs> what? Like if anything, I, I, I think Jacinda did too much trying to save you dum dums. I would have let some yeah. of y'all go. And she was sitting there going, we got to make sure everyone stays alive, which means we we were dealing with some of this stuff way longer than I personally think we should have. I think you should have been able to get the vaccine. And unless you're like, you know, unless you've got chronic illness or something that would cause you to like die if you get this, then some of y'all are just going to have to deal with it. If you don't want to get it, then too bad. And she really went out of her way to make sure that, you know, that we did as much as possible before the inevitable happened, which is this stuff's going to be floating around this country. Right. Yeah. And just so, like... Yeah, I I think it's just, you know, as far as mandates go, look, I'm not really crazy about them. You don't want to get a shot. Don't get it. It's up to the government to say, get a shot. Probably not. But guess what? If your employer wants to do it, that's where I actually lean more conservative. If you're if your employer and guess what? The government, the the government is also an employer. So if the employer decides that in order to work there, you have to you have to get a shot then that's their prerogative. Now, if they, again, there should always be that caveat where if you cannot, then you shouldn't 
but and therefore they should make those exemptions. But it's just like any other business that are you going to protest because a business requires you to wear a shirt and tie every day, a suit and tie? You know how expensive the laundromat bill is on that or the dry cleaners? No, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt every day to work. You can't tell me what to do. My body, my choice. It's it's the misconception of freedom to me. Because you've got the freedom to not get this thing. Do you know what freedom? What not having freedom looks like for this? Someone yeah. knocks on your door, says, hey, you're on a sheet where you haven't gotten the vaccine yet. Give me your arm. And right. then when you say no, they grab your arm. And there's mm-hmm. a guy with a rifle behind him going, you keep acting up. I, I, I let this go. That's what yeah. freedom isn't. Freedom is your ability to go, I'm not going to get it. And the government goes, cool. Here's what you can and cannot do. You still have freedom. Yeah. You haven't taken the shot. And if you want to live free, you don't have to go work for anybody else, right? You can make your own living. New Zealand has the same opportunities that the U.S. has. That if you don't want to work for somebody, no one's stopping you from trying to make a business. No one's stopping you from doing certain things where you could live totally free and never take this shot. It's possible. It's a little work, but it's possible, right? So people saying, well, we don't have freedom and, you know, fear over freedom or freedom over fear and all these different things. People don't realize what freedom actually is because, yeah, Yeah. if the government was not free, they'd be knocking on your door and saying, you've got three people in here who don't have it. If you don't give if you don't show us where those people are, we will find them. We will lock them up and we will vaccinate them against their will. Yeah, freedom is freedom insured by the government is not your ability to go to an Applebee's or whatever. Yes, exactly. The New Zealand exactly. That's is. the point. Or for you to go to a pub and watch a rugby game. That's not yeah. freedom. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, so anyways, I thought I figured I'd one, blame you for this and two, make you feel better that it's not just America. Not even my fault. It's your, what you're talking about. The, <laughs> the biggest thing on the news is, is Canada. It's not even me. It's those, yeah. those poutine eating motherfuckers. All right. That's yeah. not me. Yeah. It's Canada. It's Canada. It's, 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 yeah. So, but again, I think this isn't going away though. I think there is a large enough disenfranchised group of people who are going to, you know, who are going to be part of more and more of these protests. I think it's going to start picking up in the U.S. I think this is going to happen as. It's not going to do more. It's, I it's think, not going to do I, more. I agree. It's not going to do it's more. It's going to be the I opposite. Think, yeah. Because just like mask mandates have expired in New York. Yeah, they basically where most of these protesters are, they're not. They're protesting in New York today during the snow because of the government, because of the state government mandate, which is what I was getting at before, which is, yeah, it's required that if you're a teacher, you have to be vaccinated. Well, that's fine. OK, cool. So if you're a teacher or a government employee, if you're working in NTA, then you have to get vaccinated. Great. OK, fine. Again, Same thing. That's here. what I mean. Yep. It's up to it's the it's the employer's prerogative. If that's what they choose to do, that's what they choose to do. And if you don't want to do it, well, then get a job somewhere else. As simple as yep. that. I'm sorry. So, so um, yeah, or so if you just serve, you just too much of a wuss to get a shot. I, I, I figured I'd give you a little New Zealand news today, since normally we make fun of America on the show. We can make fun of New Zealand today. Put it put a big smile on my face of going, see, America's not that bad when it happens here, too. Now, have you walked down the street? Has anybody gave you any like side views, sideways looks, and said, "Hey, well, man, this is, when, why did you bring this shit into our country?" When I went to go pick up some food, there was a mm-hmm. guy screaming by the bus stop. He liked calling Omicron, Megatron, Decepticon, as he's screaming this <laughs> in a Kiwi exit. And I was trying not to laugh because he was very loud and very upset. And he was like, "Take off your mask, Omicron, Decepticon, Megatron." <laughs> it was great. It was great. Um, so oh, yeah, so man. that happened. But other than that, 
you know, and, you know, I would assume, and look, this is where I feel for a lot of Asian people. I'm sure they're getting, you know, that hate is very real where they want to just, you know, this is your fault for why the government has done this. And it's like, well, no, it's your fault for being a racist. <laughs> I was just looking at this thing and I'm like, man, what's all this shit they threw around here? I'm like, oh, wait, these are just sculptures on the, on the power to hard here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, if, if you these scroll big the video wheel, down these below. Big, these disc yeah. things, these like disc things hanging out. I'm like, wait, did they like did they massacre this thing? Is that a thing that happened? I'm like, no, wait, these, those are just there. Yeah. Like, what are these yeah. big white disc things? Is that just, I don't know. They're just, they just art they, sculptures. They're, they're like little art sculptures that are around. Okay, cool. I, think, so I was like, oh again, man, I, they I totally ruined these things. And I was like, oh, again, wait, I don't know though. Like I, I know where this is, but I don't remember walking this way. I don't walk by parliament much, but I believe that these are, these are designed to be here. Um, this is by Honestly, Victoria this University. Is, this by is also like, uh, yeah. it's like Occupy Wall Street as well. It's like, all right, cool. It is. Eventually, which, you're going to leave. And which is funny, nothing will be I, resolved. I had to explain that to people because I was living in New York when that was happening. And my favorite part about Occupy Wall Street is that like it was during the rain in the middle of the night where the police just came in and said, enough, we're done. Get out. <laughs> and they just, and you woke up in the morning and it was done. And everyone's like, oh, okay cool i thought it was a pretty good idea when it started like i'm always down and i'm personally always down for a good protest right i'm down for up throwing a system why not but then it turns into this where it's like it's muddy and they've got hay down and you know they're talking about there's there's poop on the on the grounds it's like y'all just turned into nasty hippies yeah exactly that's the problem you know what you know what they need you know what the solution to this is new tents like new tent designs because Anytime you do something like this and you get a tent city and you're just looking like, uh, uh, what is it, Skid Row? Yeah. It's just grimy and dirty. If you had yeah. like more upscale tent designs, um, yeah, Protest I think, uh, yeah, somebody, yeah, like invent that, something that looks less like you're camping. You, you yeah. need to have better. The more that looks like you're occupying, like you're setting exactly. up a Genghis Khan-esque yeah. fortress on the you need some, the Yeah, you need something that looks like you're there to stay. Yes. <laughs> this looks Everything like, here looks yeah. temporary and like yeah. fragile, you know? So, get, get something get, get something like uh, if you're like the three little pigs, you need to, you need to get to that third iteration, you know? Who's, yeah. who's laying down bricks? So, so look, I, I, I'm interested to see how this goes. I'll update you next week to see if they're still there. Because these, I would say, are also New Zealand. You know, there is a fringe society here. These guys that live in the middle of nowhere, which is easy to do in this country to live in the middle of nowhere. Um, oh, and yeah, to sure. sort of just kind of sit here. And if you got an internet connection, you find the parts of the internet that I would argue are the least helpful <laughs> to your plight. Yeah. Like the internet's great for a lot of things. And we've turned it into this, which is very interesting. So, no, yeah. you need to, you need to talk. Talking is the best way to do it because. You know, you're, when has anything ever been resolved over over tweets? Never. Or a, Never. or a GIF. Somebody, yeah. Somebody put yeah. a somebody a meme. said had a problem, and then someone posted a GIF, and they're like, you know what? Thank you. Yeah, you, you can't meme your way out of this one. You've just yeah. sent me down the right the the right course, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, time to go cure cancer. Yeah. So, look, I've got one more story I want to talk about briefly. Okay. Because it's it's more in the sports realm, but it's very interesting. About have you have you heard about the the U.S. born Olympians who have uh, decided to participate on Team China for the Olympics? Are you aware of this? Oh no! So I I'm was, going I, to send you this. I'm going to send so you I'm, another I'm article. I'm conflating article. Yep, because uh, I'm conflating stories here. Because there was that one Chinese skater who um, who like tested positive for a heart medication. <laughs> no, so she. I believe she was Russian. This is different. She was part of the Russian Olympic. 
Oh, Russia. Committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rus- right? because, not, because, not Russia. The yeah, Russian not Russia. Olympic Committee. Got it. Yeah. So I'm going to read this, right? So fame and fury. China's wildly different reactions to U.S.-born Olympians. So this is from Beijing. In a span of a week, three American-born athletes of Chinese descent have been thrust into the spotlight at the Beijing Winter Olympics to very different reactions in China. All three were trained in the United States and are only a few years apart in age, but their paths diverged on the way to the games. While figure skater Nathan Chin is competing for Team USA, freestyle skater Eileen Gu and figure skater Zhu Yi opted to compete for China. And I'm hoping I'm pronouncing those names right. I'm sure you didn't. Gu and Chin both won gold, while Zhu faltered on the ice during two consecutive showings. The public responses they've reached in the Olympic host nation also took different turns. Gu was hailed as a national hero, winning hearts, fame, and fortune. Zhu was abused online, accusing the accused of bringing shame to her adopted country. Oh, and Chin yeah. was labeled a traitor, coming under nationalistic wrath for insulting China. So two of them won. One of them faltered. And, and one has been praised. One has been considered a trainer because they're still on Team USA. And another one is sort of claimed for you failed China because you failed. Wait so a the young athlete. Yeah. Oh, so I the, see. Okay, got it here. Yeah. So Chen is. So let me just let me just uh, yep. reset my bearings here. So Chen yep. competed for the U.S. The team. He was playing for the U.S. and he won a gold. And yes. they shit on him because he was drained. He's, he's he's Chinese in heritage, but he is you know he trains Gu in America. Zhu, yeah. Also American, but yes. competed for China. Got it. Yes. Okay, cool. And I'm Gu you. won, Got and they claimed her the ice princess, the national hero. And Zhu failed, and they've considered her a failure to the country. Well, I mean, she so, lost. So. <laughs> the young athletes have found themselves embroiled in deteriorating U.S.-China relations during one of the most divisive, tightly controlled, and politically fraught Olympic Games in history. Once seen as cultural ambassadors who could help bring build bridges between the two countries, Americans of Chinese descent are now subject to heightened scrutiny left to straddle political fault lines on both sides. In the cases of Gu, Zhu, and Qin, their vastly different receptions in China also raise the question of what it takes to be accepted as Chinese in a country that has grown ever more confident yet less political and culturally tolerant since it last hosted the Games in 2008. And even someone as successful and popular as Gu cannot entirely evade questions of her allegiance and how much she really understands the country she now represents. So, yeah, I wasn't sure if you're if you're aware of this, but the big story, I think, is Aline Gu. She is mm-hmm. the one who is sort of like, like the best way I can describe it is kind of like Sean White of like her sport, where it's like she's so dominant and so great that she is already a star way beyond the Olympics. Um, so she won a gold medal in Tuesday's Big Air competition. Adulation for her literally crashed China's local, largest social media platform, and tens of millions uh, rushed to celebrate her victory online. She has been held up as the pride of China by many online and emblematic of the perceived victory over America. For decades, China's brightest and best have, been f- have flocked to the U.S. to pursue the American dream, and now an Olympic gold-winning talent born and trained in America has chosen to represent China. To some, that's a resounding affirmation of the country's rising strength and power. It's not hard to see why Gu was instantly embraced as a national darling. At 18, the San Francisco native is already the embodiment of success. She's a world champion skier, straight-A student, and on her way to Stanford, and a fashion model representing brands like Louis Vuitton and Tiffany & Company. Young Chinese fans marvel at her at her exuberance, confidence, and rush to compliment her empathy and compassion. Many took notice when she knelt on the snowy floor to console a sobbing rival. On Weibo, 
China's Twitter-like platform, Gu is referred to as Miss Perfect, excelling in everything she does, including paying the piano. She is followed by 4 million fans and worshipped as a super idol with her face splashed across Billberg's commercials magazine covers. So wanted to get your general thoughts on, I mean, look, some of this plays to, I think we are both, we could both consider ourselves globalist in a way. Mm -hmm. And I would say this is the perfect example of that working, right? Where it doesn't really matter where you're necessarily born, that you should kind of have the freedom to, you know, being a dual citizen, being able to represent yourself as Chinese and as American, because you've got one parent who's American, one parent who's Chinese, and they've been able to sort of, you know, create you, who was able to do all these great things and yourself become a global ambassador for hopefully great things. But I wonder yeah. your thoughts. I, I, I wonder if you had heard about this in the U.S., about people's feelings on this on this specific subject of the Olympics. So I didn't know about any of this until, because I, I honestly keep forgetting that the Olympics have been happening until the AP yeah, sends me alert saying, hey, by yeah. the way, uh, U.S. Somebody won something. Like, yeah, Great. Like, okay, Thanks. Cool. Thanks, AP. <laughs> right. I forgot that was happening. Um, yeah, uh, this one's sticky. So China overall is not really a model nation, let's say. No, I wouldn't say so. And I actually, I do take issue with Miss Perfect here, um, and her decision to compete for China in this situation. Um, mainly because the whole purpose of the U S I remember who was it that no. Okay. It was somebody else. Somebody else told me he, when he, uh, you know, he got married in Japan, he had a, he had a kid there and then eventually they ended up moving back to the U S and we said, and he's, and the reason he gave me was because in Japan, that kid would never actually be Japanese, but in the U S that kid can, will be American. And his wife will be American, even though she came from Japan. And that's kids will all be American. Yep. Yeah. That's the beauty of this country more so than anywhere else is you can identify as an American, despite all the faults, despite all the problems. Look, this country's got a lot of issues. Yes. At the end of the day, it is probably one of the only countries where you can go and feel like you can be a citizen of that country, regardless of what you look like, your background, your heritage, whether you were born there or not. Well, well, what's interesting, though, about America as well is that the number of people, like I've read about, you know, Anna Taylor-Joy, I think that's her name, the actress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Anya? She's, I think it's Anya, maybe. She's, okay. She just happened to be born in America, so she's an American citizen. She was born in Miami. Her parents were on a mm-hmm. vacation trip. She's born in America. She's an American. It's one of the huh. only countries in the world where you have birthright citizenship. You're born on, I mean, look, this is a lot of Trump's racist rhetoric around Mexican people is, oh, you come over here, you have your babies, and then, you know, they're Americans, and then you leech off the system. But the like, fact yeah. that birthright citizenship is even a thing still in America kind of shows exactly what you're talking about, that if you're born in this country, you have the rights of every other citizen who's ever been born in this country. Don't care where you're from. Don't care where your parents are from. You're born on our soil. You're an American. And that alone right. comes with its own issues, like especially if you don't want to be an American. And then you come yeah. to find out the IRS goes, hey, we know that you don't live here, but you're still a citizen, so you got to report the money you make. Yeah, you got but some money because we need some money. Thanks. Yeah, the simple fact that you can kind of get a fresh start by just being born on the within the country's ground, that doesn't happen in New Zealand. If you're, if you're two Americans and you have a child in New Zealand, that child is not a citizen of this country at all. The child's American. 
right. you just happen to be here at the time. So yeah, like sorry, just to, just to what you were saying, like that is kind of the beauty of what makes America yeah. great. Like actually great, not Trump's great, but like actually great as a country. <laughs> yeah. So from what I understand from what you've told me in the context of this article is that Eileen Gu was born and raised in the United States. Yep. She trained in the United States and yet she decided to compete for China. But when you make that choice, you basically endorse that country that you decide to compete on behalf of. And with everything we know about China, well, how is it not? Because you clearly are good enough to compete for the U.S., right? Sure. I would say you're good enough to pretty much compete anywhere. Now, I would argue... With the Olympics, you're you're able to compete anywhere where you have that citizenship or or heritage to do, right? Or I believe, you know, I think you can compete if if a country wants to naturalize you. There's plenty of American basketball players, for example, that have played basketball during the Olympics. Now, again, it's a little different because it's not LeBron, right? We don't care if it's not LeBron. But there's plenty of, I mean, I'm trying to think who it was. Maybe it was Eddie Curry, I think is the name that comes to mind, played for the Philippines during the Olympics. He's okay. not Filipino. He's a black dude from somewhere in down south. <laughs> right? He's, he's the furthest thing from Filipino, what you can expect, right? But there's plenty of examples where people go, hey, you know, we'll naturalize you to come play for us. And that means, and again, your your case though is I don't want to dismiss your case because those are cases of where Eddie Curry is not going to play on Team USA. He's not good enough, but he can play for the Philippines and start. Where your point is exactly that of saying she's good enough to compete anywhere. Yeah, and she chose to compete for I would argue the other half of where she identifies as because she identifies as Chinese and American, right? Like her, her right. mother is Chinese and her father's American. So she grew up in the States, but she very clearly identifies with her mother and her grandmother and spent a lot of time in, in summers and things in Beijing. She speaks with a perfect Beijing accent. So I would argue she's probably, as an 18-year-old, probably quite conflicted where her heritage is Chinese. There's a lot of things to be proud about being Chinese. And there's a lot of things to be proud about being an American that have nothing to do with the governments. Right. Right. And that's what well, makes wait, say it that, tough. Say that again. I was saying you can you can identify with both of those cultures and have nothing to do with supporting things that the government does. I can identify as an American, but be, you know, and there's plenty of black people who might feel this way. Of going, well, I don't want to co- co-opt the killing of African-Americans by police. That's something that this government and that places in this government endorse, so it seems, right? And yet, I still play for the Olympics. I still, you know, have an American flag. I still represent my country. I'm still an American. And I feel like she can feel the same thing about being Chinese and identifying as Chinese because her mother and her grandmother are Chinese and she speaks fluent Mandarin. And she decides, you know, I might not. I might not feel, you know, I might not feel very good about what they're doing to the Uyghurs or what they do for human rights, but there's plenty of things about being Chinese that she identifies with and that she loves and that she wants to represent for herself. So I would rec- I would remove the way the government represents itself from the athlete who's playing underneath that flag. I don't think you can 
I don't think you can always consider those two as co-opting. There's plenty of I, Americans I who don't I, agree I honestly, American values, right? To, to me, I think she's, uh, look, she's smart. She's highly talented. But I also think that, you know, there there's certainly a monetary incentive to do 100%, this as well. If I'm, I'm going to be, I got to be a cynic here. And I'm saying that, like, you'd be fine regardless. But when you do compete for the for for the Chinese, you uh, and you have that choice, you are endorsing that stuff. And there is and it's super problematic. And yeah, and especially since going back to the whole point of why I gave that anecdote before, it's like you are an American, <laughs> you know, but she's also like, Chinese, then, but she's also Chinese. She's she she hasn't exactly disclosed what her citizenship is. But right. she very clearly is Chinese. She's telling you, I am Chinese. My mother's Chinese. My grandmother is Chinese. I am Chinese. And I'm also American. So I, I, I this is where I disagree because I don't I think, do especially, like, I especially do like for how... an 18-year-old, right? She's 18. Yeah. It's not like she's 30, 40, right? It's a kid. Yeah. And a lot of times there's things that her parents might say, look, you know, we're Chinese. I'd really love to see you play for where I'm from. I don't necessarily means that she's co-opting the Chinese government. I think that's unfair. The same the same way that you could see if you were in China saying, well, she's co-opting the the US government. Right? Like I think it goes both ways in that. And that's why I would I would want to remove the athlete from the government part of this. I think you have to when it comes to the Olympics. There's so many kids who participate in the Olympics. It's hard to say that they are making a conscious choice to co-opt governments when they perform at the Olympics. I get it, man. I don't think they somebody think that deep. The way you you look at her resume already, like she's got a bigger one than most other great. Than, than than most retired people. Like it's unbelievable. Yes. She's lived a few lives already. hundred um, percent. And I'm not yeah. trying to say, oh, she's not, she's still just 18 to your point. But I think the oh man, I was gonna make a point something about the other side of it, like being on like China's stance on it, kind of they're willing to say, Oh yeah, she's one of ours. It's like well. Not really. <laughs> I mean, but it is though. Like again, like I, I would just say, put your put it on the other side for plenty of people who have migrated to the U.S. Right? Yeah. Who's who have been born in other countries. I'm trying to think of a great athlete. Like the guy I think of is, I'm I'm trying to remember his name. But there's plenty of athletes who have come over to the U.S. and they become Americans, and then they start playing for Americans in the Olympics, and we embrace them because we want to win. Right. Like at the end of the day, in the Olympics is all about we all get around the flag and we all talk about how great we are for doing nothing. <laughs> right. America's number one, even though it's LeBron James playing basketball and LeBron James didn't have a choice of whether or not he was born. here. He just happened to be born here. But there's plenty of people who make that conscious choice to play for one or the other based on their family background, based on all different types of things. Right. It can be quite complicated. I don't. And again, I agree with you. I think there's a financial incentive behind some of this stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I would say it's the same exact thing across the aisle if you have someone who is happened to be born in America but has spent all their life in China and then they decide that they want to represent America for soccer or for basketball. We would totally take that person and we pay them all the money. We put them on the Wheaties box. We'd commercialize their whole existence. And I don't think we'd think twice about it by saying, well, they're American. And I would say China says the same thing. Well, she's Chinese. Yeah. So, you know, so, yeah. it's probably what what makes me struggle with china itself is just like the magnitude of everything the country gets away with at this point and that's why i think there's always there has to be this prevailing 
bias to an extent on my side. And I have to admit it, right? Because of course, yeah, of course. You have you mentioned the Uyghur thing, then you have their, you know, the the issues going on with Hong Kong and Taiwan, and then their prevalence in in media across the world. And because of the enormous economic interest that people have, they they kowtow, they what is it? Kowtow, tokow, kowtow, you know what I'm sure, trying to yeah. say, to all of their demands. So that leads to things like censorship. It leads to things like, you know, changing the little things like changing the flags on Tom Cruise's jacket and Top Gun. Otherwise, you don't get that dollar from China um, or you can't release it there. Um, diminishing the size of um, of what's his name? Oh, God, the guy on um, who is in Star Wars. Uh, Moses. <laughs> Just uh, Why am I blanking on his name? Shit, John Boyega. John Boyega's yeah. uh, picture, you know, shrinking him on the poster because, you know, because, uh, you know, you don't want uh, black people to be that prominent in China. Yeah. Um, then, yep. uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of weird nonsense. It's still a communist dictatorship. Yeah. There's still, it's a very problematic place and they get away with everything because of the economic interests and the value that they have to the world. And that's, that's ultimately goes into when I see someone like her. Yeah. 18. Yeah. Kid. Yeah. She's a model. You know, she has an enormous cultural following. She's the best. She's one of the best athletes in the world. You're telling me she wasn't, you know, she has this enormous platform in China as a Chinese person. And she's probably going to get more love there and support from the government coming from America being, yeah, she's one of us. We're getting, we're getting our hooks even further into the rest of the world. You know, this is, it's just creepy. It's weird. And it does not sit well with me when I see this situation. It would be, you know, different if she actually trained in China. If she, you know, if that that was part of it, but she trained here, she was raised here. Yeah, again, it's but like it, it, Ed, it's an interesting. I, I'm glad you're going to tell me there's it's a, no. It's an interesting discussion. You, you're going to tell me if you yeah. you were put with you are representing those countries. You're telling me that that. None of what I just said should act, should factor into the equation at all. It again, when, it even should. just because she's an eighteen-year-old kid. It should. Now, I, I want to throw you. I want to throw you something on the opposite, right? You have the Go ability to become a dual citizen of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. You have the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. And let's just say it hasn't happened, and I, I think the time is gone for you. But let's say you are some amazing athlete, right? You spend all your time in 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 the tri-state area. Yeah. And you are, you're, this, you're this great hockey player, right? I sure am. And someone from Israel reaches out and goes, you know, Jason, what if I gave you X amount of whatever and you come skate for us? And let's say you're 17, 18 at the time, right? And it's an ungodly amount of money you've never seen before. And you read things about Israel, and it's, it's you know, I, I don't want to compare it to China. Not at all. Yeah, this close. is a hell of not an analogy. <laughs> it is, but not even close. But I would say that you're an American. You're born uh-huh. here. You're raised here. And you could play for the U.S. team and win gold medals for America. Or you could have some some cultural heritage link to a place that is important to you. And you have that choice as a 17-year-old. I would argue that discussion is more complicated than just, well, look at the history between, you know, I'm an American and America's history is way better than, than Israel's history. I didn't even say that. I didn't no, even say anything no, about but history. I'm, just, I'm no, literally no. talking about the now. Yes. Again, I'm, I'm with you. If it was you. a history, history comparison, 
Well, history comparison is it's even worse. I'd argue <laughs> it's, it's I'd argue it's I argue it's worse. China's done a lot of awful things in their history as well. But I guess my point is, I'm trying to. I, I know you think it's hard as an adult, and I, I would say I feel very similar. But as an 18 year old, and I know that you keep dismissing this, but she's still a. I don't care how much money she has. A lot of these decisions are not necessarily being dictated by her when you're 18. Like, let's not pretend that she has the same mental capacity that you and I do in our 30s. Like, it's just not fair. She's very smart. She's she doesn't she doesn't have more life experience than either the two of us do. I mean, I don't know. She doesn't. You don't know she that. doesn't. She hasn't been alive, alive long enough. She was born in ninety in two thousand and three. I was in college September two thousand three when she was born. <laughs> so no, she does not have as much experience as I do. It's just not possible, right? She might be smarter than me in the in the guise of business and, and posing for Louis Vuitton. She's not smarter than me. She'll get there probably very soon. But right now, as an 18-year-old, she hasn't experienced enough in life. Yeah. So I, I would just say it's a little unfair to expect that she has done this history when I would argue that the last three years have been her being seen the good sides of China, her being showered in gifts and praise and things that China wants her to see. When is Are we really expecting that she should have the capacity to individually go do all of these things to really investigate the real China when every time she goes to Beijing, Beijing, she probably gets showered in love and praise? Now, look, in five years, she might come out in or three years, four years, she might come out for the U.S. and then explain, you know, when I was 18, you know, what I thought was one thing, but I've now learned over going to Stanford and learning all these things and being around these different people that I was wrong and I made a mistake as a child, but now I'm an adult and I'm now going to you know, do my freestyle skiing for Team USA, you'd still accept her. America would still accept her. It's, I'd still accept her, yeah, right? It's, Why wouldn't it's you? It's too late. It's too late. She won't. You think it's I, too late? I don't think she I don't think uh, it's too late at all. This Absolutely is, sorry, not. let me explain. Let me explain. She, I don't think she would do anything like that. I think now she knows because she doesn't comment on any of this stuff. They, there's no way. Give it time. And it's possible, but. Give it time. Give it time. I, I, if she I is, see... if she has as, deep into you know if she does relate as more chinese we'll, we'll say again i don't at think this point, she does relate as more i think she has an opportunity to play you think for it's an one team you think or it's the purely other. an opportunist 100% thing it's opportunist thing 100 percent because she's probably got a parent telling her hey look looking at these two things go do this first and then you can make you don't think the stipulation the you don't think afterwards. the stipulation is hey you could do this you just can't say shit about uh the chinese government Oh, I'm, I'm I'm sure it is, but I'm also not expecting for an 18-year-old to come. I mean, look, I think we expect way too much. I don't expect LeBron James to sit here and tell me all the atrocities of China when he's making shoes, right? Like, I think that's really – because you don't do that. I don't do that. You're not looking at every single good that you make or the, that you buy and go, was this made in China? Well, I don't support the Chinese. No, none of us do that. I think that's unfair. It's an unfair criticism that we put on athletes because they get paid a lot of money. No, but that's different. You're that not, you're not, rep- you're not giving a choice – the biggest difference between this one and that is like you're not given a choice to represent, to literally represent that country. Sure, that's, yeah, but that's but, where but again, I'm coming like, from. To, here, to, but to expect her to do all of this history when representing a country, most Americans don't do enough history to, when they're representing their country as Americans. They don't. No one does. Not when you're an athlete, and not when you're young. Yeah. No one's going through the history before they put on a Team USA jersey to go, let me read through the history of slavery in America and decide whether or not I want to be play for Team USA. No one does that. No. And she didn't do that for China. Yeah. Yet you're well, expecting her to, which I, will, I find interesting. I, I'm not I saying you're give, wrong. I just find it interesting. 
It's an interesting discussion that you expect for her to have this knowledge when most Americans don't have the knowledge of their own history. It's not even about history, but that's the difference. It's not about history. It's about the now. Or they're now. There's plenty of stuff in America now that's happening. I know there's plenty of stuff that's bad in America now, but I'm just saying there's a lot of- Of course, but it's not as bad as China. Me and you would agree on that. That's kind of what I'm- Yeah, exactly. exactly. But as an an 18-year-old, I don't expect for any of them to do any of this research. For them to make a decision of, well, I'm never going to play for China because they're killing ethnic minorities on the on the west coast of Russia. Like, like, what do you expect for them? She's playing. She's a she skis. <laughs> she's a skier. And someone said, here's a bunch of money for being a skier. And yeah, she but she's cool. clearly being. But she's clearly being propped up by the government. There. It, and look, I get it, kid. That goes a long way for a benefit of the doubt. Let's see what happens in four years. Let's see, because if, if she's Miss Perfect, she's great, then cool. She'll be back in four years. Does she play with China again? Do you give her the same we'll benefit see. of the doubt? We'll see. I don't know. Again, I, I, I don't know. And that's why I brought it up, because I think it's interesting. I, I, don't, I think right now, for an 18-year-old, it's too early to tell. But at the same time, I, I don't begrudge someone for feeling a stronger pull to part of their heritage and deciding that, well, you're supporting all of these awful things even though there's plenty of people in China who don't necessarily support these things. Yeah, and sure, I think you're that... saying she has the opportunity to make a choice that other people don't. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But at the same time, she's 18. So I'm interested to see where this goes. It's, it's a very interesting story because I think what we've just discussed is what's happening in a lot of Chinese-American families to a different, deeper emotional level, which is just getting interesting as the world becomes more global. Like there's going to be more people who have draws between multiple countries and you're going to have to make a decision. Am I Chinese? Am I American? Or am I both? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a little tough for us to say, oh, well, you're a traitor to America when she has this pool to her Chinese heritage. It's an, it's an interesting discussion. No, I think, yeah, I don't I, That's That's a little bit different of a conversation. But, but the, it's the same conversation. Ultimately. It's the same exact thing. It's yeah, all wrapped in that. It, 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 it's, never, it's never just as black and white as I, su- I support Chinese government or American government. It's never that yeah. black and white for these kids who are being at. For us, it is. It's very easy for me to go like, well, come on now. Everything you well, only one benefited way to from this. all the riches Eileen, of America, right? It's <laughs> so, only one way to si- solve this. Yeah. Eileen Gu, you got you to gotta come on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll sure. talk about it. Let's sure. see, let's sure. see sure. what she's it was. Got all this free time to talk to us two idiots about her heritage. It'll just be long. We'll just need like five minutes. Five minutes. Answer the questions. That's it. Answer the questions. The tough questions. All, oh. But really, the bigger fault is you want to get away from kids and talk about like adults is, hey, Olympics, stop putting the Olympics in China. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Like, stop putting your like, Olympic games in countries. Like, stop. they showed an image. They showed an image of, I think it was like one of these big air slopes. And they showed it zoomed in. And it looks like every other Olympic, like, pretty, you know, snow white thing. You zoom out and there's like factories and smog. And it's like, yeah, yeah you gave the Olympics to a country that's going to prop up these things. And again. Sh- again, we keep doing it, right? They keep going there. Yeah. Brian Gumble is talking. Not Brian Gumble. Um, uh, the other guy, Bob Costas. Yeah. It's funny that you confuse those two. I know they <laughs> they do. The they look a lot alike. Yeah, they do. <laughs> that's, for that's for one problem. being black and one being a lo- white, they do look quite a lot. Quite they, a lot they're alike. kind of interchangeable sports. It's like which yeah. one's going to show up on HBO next? It's like you never know who you're going to get. Yeah. Uh so yeah. Shall we move on? Yes, we should move yeah, on and quickly that do media therapy. Ther- quickly do media therapy because I don't have much. Yeah, I don't either. 
I watched House of Gucci. And? It's long. Yeah. It's a Ridley Scott joint. <laughs> it is. It's long. Mm-hmm. Um, was Ridley Scott mad about this one? Because this one made money in the movie theaters. No, he wasn't. He didn't blame uh, millennials on this. Millennials. Millennials with their phones, right? And he didn't blame yeah, he millennials didn't, with his phones on this he didn't one? Blame, this one made money. No. Right? This guess. one, I think, doubled its, doubled its money in the box office, I believe, yeah. looking at Wikipedia. Now, how, was it as Oscar baity as it looked in the previous? Oh, Lady Gaga was digging for an Oscar. She was fighting she, for one. She did not get the nom. She didn't yes. get the nom. Jer- and Jared Leto was trying for his supporting role as well. He was trying. Um, yeah, it's definitely an Oscar bait-esque movie. I enjoyed it. It's a bit all over the place. Yeah. Like, it, it's kind of, like, there's a lot of random, like, and I, look, I know this is a true story. Yeah. Um, which is it, which is crazy that like this is actually what's happened with Gucci as a as a commercial entity. Yeah, the story explaining how this yeah, how this family had kind of started this and how over you know in the seventies and the eighties how this had all devolved into Gucci now becoming a publicly traded company that has no one with the name Gucci involved in it. Um yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Gaga. I thought she was good, but she was definitely fishing for an Oscar the second half of that movie. She was just oh, she was begging, please give me the Oscar and and or just give me a nomination. It just wasn't. And they said happen. no. And they said yeah. No. They said no, thank you. Um, yep. But yeah, I didn't dislike it. I like Ridley Scott's films, though. I think he's a good film director. Um, yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed it. But um, I, watch it if you have two hours and like forty minutes. But it's a long movie. No, it's long. I watched it in two parts. Yeah. Well, you lost power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i lost power and I had to watch it again i lost power again as i was watching it so i kept losing power when i was watching this thing um and yeah i thought like it was it's a weird departure to seeing salma hayek in a in a kind of this type of supporting role oh um, i didn't even know she was in the movie who did she play? yeah she was the she was the tarot card reader oh what yeah did you see this movie no oh i thought you saw it no Okay, it was good though. I look. I, I think you should watch it. Like it's it's not a it's not something I would tell you not to watch. But yeah, it, it budget was seventy five million, made one hundred and fifty two million. So it's made its okay. money back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, that's it for my media therapy. I haven't done much else. Yeah, I've just been so. I've just been playing more uh, Shimagami Tensei Five, approaching the I think thirty hour mark. I finally beat that sperm monster thing that I was fighting. So that's wow, cool. Okay. Now I can, now I can um now I have the ability to fuse demons to make the sperm monster. So that's cool. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, still like the game. I also played I saw this game that became available called Grapple Dog. So I downloaded that and played two levels of it. And I was like, this game is adorable. I think I'll like it. And then I started playing it. And I was like, I want to like it. There's just something a little bit off about it. So I'll I'll report back on that one later, or or I won't, and I'll just oh, you be won't. content. And it'll be and I'll just be content with giving them my thirteen dollars and moving on. Yeah. So, how many games yeah. do you buy that are just duds? Like you play like it's five. Very like play rare. Like you play like an hour, and you're like, this just isn't for me. It's very rare. That does. That's the beauty of Game Pass. Actually, is that I was just churning through games on Game Pass for a while, and. Just like playing and be like, nah, then, nah, you know, and then I honestly, I've just been because the only game I really want to play, like Sifu came out last week, but I don't want to start that because I don't know how much time I have to play it over the course of a week. Because what I really want to play is Horizon Forbidden West, which comes out Friday. So, okay, yeah, that's 
all I really that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. Well, that's and pretty good though. Yeah. Like that's I'll pretty just, good that you don't your your strike rate is pretty good. Yeah, for the most part I I I'm pretty good at knowing what I will and will not like. I could like sift through critics even even a game that maybe gets a 6 or 7 depending on what they actually say about a game. I may actually end up enjoying it. Like based on what I'm reading. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I see what you don't like about it, but I think I would actually really enjoy my time. So I've had those experiences as well. Um, but yeah, it's been uh just a lot of the same. Been very busy. This week is gonna be very busy, but hopefully I'll get some time with Horizon before we record next and give some first impressions on that. I'm very excited to play that on PS5 because I haven't played much on my PS5 lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean you still can't find a PS5, so like Hey man, it was the highest selling system in January. Yeah, I guess you're going to get more of them, but they if had I can find every, one, I'll... every console is selling out. So it's whoever yeah. can make the most, that's who's going to sell the most. Yeah, all right. Even switches, well, even switches. Yeah, oh, cool. by the way, there's one thing that did happen this week that I do want to call attention to. And that's Nintendo Direct. Um, did you see the announcements from Nintendo from the Nintendo Direct? No. Um, I only saw one that they're making another Fire Emblem game, but that was it. Uh, so they make a Fire Emblem Warriors game, which I don't even know what that means, but sure. It is a where the hell is this? I'm trying to find. Okay, here we go. So here's everything that was announced. And there's a lot of good shit here. So first Fire Emblem Warriors, that's like a um, it's like a hack and slash. Uh, it's not okay. a tactics game. It's like a like Dynasty Warriors. Those guys just mm. like they made Hyrule Warriors. They're fun. Mm. But I guess it's a sequel to Three Houses. I don't know, but it's called Three Hopes. They talked about the new Advance Wars, which was delayed from last year and is coming out soon. It's just a reboot. It's a it's a remake of Advance Wars one and two. That'll be your jam. No Man's yep. Sky coming to Switch, which blew my mind that that game's coming out and not a cloud game. Like it's actually mm-hmm. downloadable. I'm like that's incredible. No excuses for Kingdom Hearts to be. <clears throat> cloud versions nonsense new mario strikers so we're getting have you ever played those games before is that a soccer game yeah those games were awesome and it's coming back after like 15 years since the last one they were awesome there was one on gamecube and one on wii and it's criminal that the that they just keep cranking out these tennis and golf games, but haven't done another soccer game. And I this game's going to be incredible. So get ready for that one. It's going to be great. Then Splatoon three, whatever the remaking front mission. Uh, that was a tactical game from a tactical mech game. Um, so that's cool. Disney. They're making a Disney cart racing game, bringing back Star Wars and Force Unleashed, bringing back their they ported all the Assassin's Creed Ezio games. So two Brotherhood and Revelations. Revelations is probably my least favorite of all the games, but whatever. Those are all good games. Then some Gundam stuff. Uh, they're bringing back Chrono Cross, which was the PS1 game. Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, which is the kind of open world-esque post-apocalyptic Kirby game. And, but they did reveal that he can swallow a car in this, which you need <laughs> okay, to see. Sure. You need to see this trailer and how they have, I think it's called Wide Mouth or no, Mouthful Mode, I think it's called. Did I just make that up? There's no, yeah, Mouthful Mode. That's what they're wow. calling it. Yeah, you got to look up mouthful mode for uh, Kirby. Maybe look that up in an incognito <laughs> window just in case. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. But no, this I thing just is saw crazy. the image. It's, uh, yeah. it's pretty It's funny. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. 
this game i can't wait i can't wait for that game it's probably other than horizon that's my most anticipated game right now this year um mlb the show they finally showed that thing running on switch it's like it's like it's like the last of us but like kirby style i know it's great it's kind of what it looks like it's basically going to solve all my problems with the last of us which was i hated every person in the last of us how could you not like kirby kirby's adorable (laughs) kirby trying to swallow this car is the silliest (laughs) thing i've seen <laughs> oh, it gets sillier because wait until you see the p- video of him trying to like swallowing all the water, and he just like becomes this big gelatinous. He basically becomes a giant water bath. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, and it'll be the show, which is going to be really weird on Switch, just like it was yeah, weird on Xbox Sony last exclusive. year because yeah. that's a Sony game. Yep. Um, but again, not cloud, actual game. Uh, but I don't care about baseball, so I won't be getting it. Klonoa is coming back. Portal one and two. They're coming. Live mm. Alive, which I never even heard of until this direct. And this thing looks incredible as well. It's like a it's a remake of an of a Japan only time travel RPG. It is I'm watching wild. this video of Kirby swallow random things. It's, yeah, it's uh, amazing. You're gonna he, now you're on he board. Swallows you get a, it. He swallows a vending machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he spits out cans of people. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and they and now he's a now he's a traffic cone. Yep. Uh, now he's a scissor lift. Kirby's just swallowing everything. He's just he's he's a, he's a maniac. He turns to a light bulb. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, the water balloon mouth. Yeah, yeah. He's just a big fat water balloon. He just squirts out water on the ground. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this game. I was not expecting yeah. that. You're on board, right? You in? Sure. <laughs> sure. There you go. Uh, follow up to Wii Sports. They're making Nintendo Switch Sports. Huh. That's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, a new uh, Taiko no Tatsujin Rhythm Festival, which is the um, Taiko Drum Drum Master. We've played that yep. in Japan a few times. Yep. Triangle Strategy, something about that. Um, Cuphead, the expansion for that is coming out. It's gonna be great. They made it. They added a new mode to Metroid. It's uh, insane. I don't know who would ever do this, but they added a mode that. You get one hit and the whole game's over. Wow. I mean, the game's hard enough. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, rude. It's definitely just for like streamers to be like, all right, let's see how sure. far I can get. And then one guy's going to do it and it'll make news. Yeah. Uh, Earthbound games are now on uh, Switch. One and two. I don't know what this uh, third part. Oh, yeah, that's nothing. Um, oh, Mario Kart 8. There's a whole bunch of new courses coming out. Re- remakes of older. Um, remakes of... Um, older levels from previous Mario Kart games. So like 48 levels coming out over the next two years. And then finally, the reveal of Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which you know got me very excited. Yeah, sure. That's coming out this year, which is crazy. I'm quite excited about that. It's apparently the conclusion. And then they're like, this is going to connect the first the the first and second game. And I was like, I, I don't even remember what happened in either <laughs> those games but i'm excited to play this one so they were like yeah it's crazy i I remember people talking about the second one and they were like yeah it's crazy you actually see references from the first one i was like do you (laughs) i don't i was just having fun with it but yeah xenoblade chronicles 3 get hyped that was all the stuff that was announced this and and the reason why it's worth bringing up is because this is probably the best nintendo direct that's come out in since the switch was announced it was incredible the amount of stuff that they announced and quality stuff they announced where I'm going through. It's like, yep, I want to play that. Yep, I want to play that. Yep, I want to play that. And it's like, I'm not going to have the uh, 
any amount of time to play all of these games. So that's the deal. That's uh, that's all I wanted to say. All right. Yeah. A lot of things to look forward to, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'll let you go. Go enjoy the Super Bowl. Everybody right. else. Thanks for listening. Review us if you if you get the, if you feel uh, so inclined to do so. We would greatly appreciate it. And until next time, this podcast is over. <laughs>